Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success, where every week I bring you a dynamic guest and a dynamic topic. And everybody in the world needs to have more information on wills and trusts. So today my guest is Victoria McDonald, who is a Southern California-based paralegal whose specialties is wills and trusts. She has been assisting individuals in these areas for years. She is a graduate of Cal State Fullerton. In addition to her over 25 years of expertise in this field, her service to her clients is outstanding, and she goes to her clients, which they love. Because of her great customer service and client satisfaction, her referral business is very high. Today we will talk about various things you should know about in wills and trusts to help you make intelligent decisions on what is best for you and your family. I'm happy to say that Victoria is also one of my NAFI members. NAFI is the largest global network for MIMI uh, for in the world. Uh, also, many of our NAFI members also have used her services, and also my father who used her service, and everybody raves about how she works with you and treats her clients first class. And, you know, we all like that. So welcome, Victoria. It's so happy to have you on the show. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much, Robbie. Thank you for that introduction. Well, you know, people don't know the difference between a will and trust. So what is the difference? Well, I think the major difference is that a trust does not have to go through probate court. And everybody wants to avoid probate court for several reasons because it is so expensive. Um, The attorney fees eat up all the estate if you don't have a living trust set up. And that money could instead be going to your heirs. So it could go to your kids and grandkids rather than um, being paid to the state or the federal government. So that's one reason. But another reason for avoiding probate court is the bureaucratic system. Once it's in the court, then nobody can do anything with the property. For example, the house can't be sold, it can't be rented out, nothing can be done with it once it starts going through the court until the court says it can. So you want to avoid that, but there are times when a will is necessary. For example, if you had more debt, then you have assets, then you would want to do a will because it stops the creditors from coming after um, the estate. So they do two different things. But the best, if you own any real estate, the best option is the living trust. That sounds good. Oh, I just learned something new. What is probate court? court. Is there a good reason to go through probate? Well, that is that is the main reason to go through probate. There's a four-month period that creditors have to come against someone's estate. And then if they don't come forward in that four-month time, then um, what happens is they're stopped from coming after later on. Um, they're notified that they have, they know they have that four months. And, of course, the executor or the appointed administrator of the estate 
can always deny a creditor's claim anyway if it's not a legitimate claim. But um, if it goes through the court, that stops the creditors from forever later coming after the beneficiaries. So, but the, the bottom line is, if they have a trust, they don't have to. They can omit this step completely, right? That's exactly right. They can omit the, the that step and omit omit all the fees and the nightmare involvement. Oh, that makes sense. Why should someone go to a paralegal rather than an attorney, or even try to do it themselves online? Um, yeah, I've been asked that a lot. I taught classes at the local colleges there in uh, Mount San Jacinto and RCC, Riverside Community College. And um, one of the things is that sets me apart, especially a paralegal, is there is no hourly rate, hourly fee. So it's a flat fee for the work we do. And as long as you have somebody that has a lot of experience, like I do, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to pick me. But basically you want to check on those. You want to check to make sure the person has enough experience. If you just go online, you're going to be expected to know how to fill out everything. And if you have no experience with that, you don't know if you're filling it out correctly. Um, It could be filled out wrong and you think you've got something in place and then when the time comes and it's necessary to use it, you have no help. You have no support behind those documents that you did. So you're pretty much have to then hire an attorney at a large hourly rate of like 300 to $400 an hour. Hmm. And I always encourage people to check around too to find out because they should meet with, you know, people that they're going to hire um, to see what they what they think of them. Don't just go out and, and hire somebody without meeting with them and feeling comfortable with them because this is a very important decision that's to be made. That's true. It is. And the wrong word can change everything. That's correct. Yeah, or the wrong way the document's done could could change everything. But as long as you have the support behind the document, that's very important because there's a lot that somebody knows, especially someone with enough experience, knows of how to do certain things that, you know, you may not have thought of. Um, But uh, life is a learning process. So even if somebody thinks they know everything, they know nothing really because that is, you know, I learn from my clients sometimes since I've been doing this for so long, you know. Um, But... The more experienced, the better, no matter who you hire. If you hire an attorney, if, if they're fresh out of law school, that, that's not going to be helpful if they haven't done a lot of trust. That's true. Can a paralegal give me all the documents and everything I need, or do I need an attorney later? How does all that work? Yes. No, a, a paralegal can do all the documents. can't do is tell you what you have to do. We can't say... This is what's best for you, and this is the way you do it. Basically, a paralegal explains all the different options to you. They can prepare all the documents for you, but you have to make the decision. So basically, we can tell you how people have done it in the past, 
and all you explain all your options of doing it, but you are the ultimate decision maker. Whereas an attorney would sit there and explain to you that this is the way you need to do it and this is the way it gets done. And a lot of times, unfortunately, they don't listen to the client is what I've found. Mm-hmm. Or they prepare they prepare the documents and they don't even tell them sometimes what they put in the document. They don't get their opinion so much, or anything. So, and there's so much legal jungle in it that sometimes it's hard to interpret too. Right, exactly. And then the client gets something they didn't even know was in there. I've had that several times where I've gone to meet with a client that an attorney's done a trust for several several years ago, and they say, can you explain this to me? So I go through it, and I go, did you know this was in here? We look at it, and they go, no. They're be like the attorney would insert themselves in there saying something like that the heirs need to hire them as the attorney or something like that. And actually, that is totally illegal, but I have seen it done. And wow. I have had to report some <laughs> to the Bar Association because of things like that. Wow. <laughs> How long does the process take to do a living uh, trust? And Is it a lot of meetings? or? Well, basically, for me anyway, it is two meetings. So the first meeting is where we gather all the information, Um, It's just a little simple questionnaire that we sit down and that I fill out. It's like an interview process. So I interview the client and, like I said, get their um, input into what their expectations are of what they want the trust to do for them. And um, then we go through the whole process. The first meeting takes about an hour to make sure that we get all the information down. Um, And I usually tell them in advance what to bring. So, like, let's say we're going to meet at a different place other than their home. Then they would bring, you know, certain documents that I would need, like their house deed and their bank statements and things. So they really have to trust the person that they're picking because a lot of this is very personal information that you're going to be disclosing to somebody. So you have to be very careful about who you to do something like this. But the first meeting takes about an hour to go through, and, you know, I don't limit people, though, like an attorney does. I'll just say, you know, um, you know, if it takes an hour and a half, it takes an hour and a half. You know, it's still the same price because it's the flat fee for doing the work. So if it takes longer, it takes longer. Um, so that's the first meeting, and it's kind of like a meet and greet, so they feel comfortable with me and, you know, before they give me all their information. And then um, I take the documents back to my office and prepare them. Um, And usually the process itself takes one to two weeks, depending on how complex, or if they want to postpone it. Sometimes people want to meet me for the first time, and then they want to wait, you know, two or three weeks before they would finish it up. So in the meantime, they can communicate with me by phone or email if they have questions after we met, which I always encourage because um, with me, it's a lifetime service. They never have to pay extra for phone calls, so it's just for the flat fee, the work I do, and it's very important that they ask the questions so that, you know, they're comfortable with it. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And the second meeting 
um, I come back in the you know one to two week for time frame or whenever they designate. We set a second appointment, and that's when I come back with the documents, and we thoroughly go through them. So that second meeting could take you know a little longer than the first. It might take about an hour and a half because we want I want to thoroughly go through it and make sure that they understand everything. Um, which is completely different than most of the industry. Because I think most of the industry, you know, you go and meet in a conference room and hurry up, hurry up, sign here, sign here. Oh, you're done. And then they leave with their trust and they have no idea what it says or what it does or or anything. And then they call back later to get it explained and then the attorney is charging them the hourly rate to explain something that they should have explained at that meeting. Right. So How much is the average cost? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, oh, I was just going to say, even after the meeting, they can call me with any questions. They were completely done with the trust. Um, and they sign it, and I'm a notary, and I notarize the trust for them. You should always check with who you pick, too. Am I going to have to pay extra for you know notary fees? Am I going to have to pay extra for recording fees? because all that enters into the picture. But after they're done, we're done with the trust. They keep the original trust. And then the other thing is they can call me afterwards. Even though we're done, they've paid me whatever. They can call me anytime with any questions, and that is always free of charge. That's good. How much is the average cost of a living trust? Paralegal flat fee versus attorney hourly rate, too. Yeah, and an hourly rate, I would say most of the uh, attorneys charge between 12 on up to $3,000. So $1,200 on up to $3,000 is about the average. Now, I obviously, I've seen it higher, and I've heard horror stories of crazy things like $6,000, but those are kind of outside the norm. So I would say an attorney charges between 1200 to $3,000, depending on the complexity of the trust. And my fee is just based on whether they're single or married. So, like, if it's a single person, it's six fifty, and if it's a married couple, it's eight fifty because I have to do like two powers of attorney for each, you know, and two wills, and you know, so it's a little more work. But I don't think that it's, they should be gouged, you know. <laughs> right, I agree so with you. Yeah. Um, does a person have to dec- disclose their personal information? And, um, does it get recorded, and who records it and where? Well, basically, yes. They do need to really trust the person who's doing the trust. So that's what um, we were talking about earlier when we said that, you know, you should meet with the people that you, you're picking and make sure you're very comfortable with them because you're going to be giving them account numbers. You're going to be giving them... Um, your property information on your house, you know, where, um, you know, the legal description, because all that actually does get recorded. Now, just the property information gets recorded in the county. None of your um, account information will be recorded because the actual trust itself, that's one of the advantages to a living trust is it does not get recorded. It is a personal confidential document, whereas a will, when it goes through the court process, it's public information, so anybody can see all the assets you have. 
with a living trust it is only between your heirs and like the people you do business with, like your banks and stuff like that. So I do the recording. I don't give you the documents. I don't prepare the documents and tell the client, here, go take this to the county and record it, because then it doesn't get done or it doesn't get done properly. So I always say that it's better if, you know, the, your legal person, whoever you hired, does the recording to make sure that it really gets done, because that's important. Yeah, I agree. And you might have if, several properties, too. I mean, sometimes you have to record each one more than one. Yes, you do. So, yeah, that's why you should make sure that you're what able they to... What if they have properties in different counties? Do you have to go to different counties to record them? Uh, yes, if they have properties in different counties, typically depending on where the county is, we can mail it in. Like if they have something up in Northern California, obviously we're not going to go there or something like that. Um, or even out-of-state properties actually do have to be recorded because if they have property out-of-state, for example, and um, it's not put into the trust, then they would initiate a probate in that state so you want to make sure if you have um, something out of state that that does get recorded into the trust as well so that they're all in the same trust yes it can be all recorded in the same trust and the trust is done by the way where the person resides so if they're a california resident then it would be done here in california now if they move Let's say they move later on, and that's a lot of people do. You know, maybe they do their trust here and they move out of state. Um, trusts are good in all 50 states. So if you have it federally, it's good for federal estate tax purposes, so no inheritance taxes and stuff if the trust is done properly um, and you do it in California. And then if you move out of state, you should get it looked at by somebody at whatever state you move to, just to make sure that um, some updates don't have to be done for that state's law. But you should not have to redo the whole trust. Just bring it up to to standards of whatever that that state is. Yes, that's correct. Can a paralegal help individuals with decisions regarding completing the paperwork, or are they on their own? Um, No, Uh, mainly what happens is, like I said, it's an interview process. So what happens is we sit down and we discuss it. It's like a discussion. So they can ask questions of, like, how do other people do it or how have other people done it in the past so they can get ideas. But they have to make the ultimate decision. The paralegal cannot make the decision for them. If they are confused and they don't understand it or they don't know what decision at all to make, then they should be going to an attorney for that part of it because they do need, at that point, they perhaps need legal advice. But if they just need to know how other people have done it and then they're able to make their own decisions, then a paralegal can do it. Well, I'm sure with as many trusts that you've done over the years that you've seen a combination of many kinds of trusts. So when you're giving them the ideas of the different things that can be done, 
you give them a lot of, uh, you know, say this way, you know, if you, you actually know something about them, so you could give them examples of someone like them that right. some of the things those people have done, right? Yes, that's correct. And that's what I said. I give them all the different options, and they're going to be making a more informed decision, I believe, than if they would just go to an attorney and say, this is what our family dynamics is, and, you know, you, you know, tell us what to do. Because sometimes, and this is what I always tell them, since you have to make the ultimate decision, these are the things to look at. For example, a lot of times people ask me if they need two executors or two co-trustees or something. Um, And I give them the advantages and the disadvantages to both. And only they can make the decision because they know their kids or they know who they're going to have as those co-trustees and whether they get along or whether they don't get along. So that's why I think it is best if they actually make the ultimate decision. Than an right, and the, and the else. thing, Victoria, that I think is they go way better informed because yes, you do take do. all that time. That's correct. And since I've been teaching classes and doing that, like you said, for over 25 years, then they're going to get that experience. And, yes, I have done several trusts over the years. So, okay. uh, Who keeps the originals and where are they kept? And what if they get lost or destroyed? What happens then? Well, basically, um, I always give the originals to my clients. And the reason I do that is what if something happened to me or I moved? And if I keep the originals and they lose contact with me, they don't even have a trust anymore, really. Um, so the best thing is for them to keep the original. Now, when I go to somebody's house, since I don't have a copier, I always bring two duplicates. So what happens is we really have two duplicate originals. So I keep one, and then, then I have the client keep one. So if they ever lose it, they could always come back to me and say, Victoria, this is, was lost or stolen or it burned up in a fire. Of course, I always tell them they should keep their original in a safe place, like a fireproof safe or something like that, um, along with all their other original documents. And they'll get a binder so they can put their um, even other good documents in there that has pockets so they keep everything together because it's important for them to keep everything together for their executor or the successor trustee of the trust so they can find everything and be able to yeah, do it. Yeah, if they have to manage. get out of the house fast in case of a fire or anything, they could just grab that book and go. Right, exactly. And the weirdest case I had one time was a, a person out in Fallbrook where they um, somebody stole their trust. Now, I said, who would steal a trust? I couldn't believe that when they called and told me that. And they said, well, it's a long story, but let's just tell you real quick. It was a, um, their daughter was dating an unscrupulous person, and he came and took this little mini safe and walked, you know, broke into the house after that him and the daughter broke up because he was kind of mad that they broke up, broke into the house, took the safe. He thought he was going to get money or some valuables, and the only thing in it was the truck. So, of course, he wasn't going to return the trust and admit that he stole it. Right. (laughs) 
but it was well, a weird Victoria, situation. Yeah. Let's let everybody know what the name of your company is and how they can reach you. Okay. Um, well, actually, um, I go under my own name. It's Victoria McDonald, and my title is LDA. I'm a certified paralegal, and the LDA stands for Legal Document Assistant, which means I'm independent and I can work on my own. I don't have to be under an attorney's supervision because I'm licensed, bonded, and registered in the county, and all the recommendation letters for the attorneys that I work for are on file, so anybody could look that up. Um, my specialty is discount wills and living trust, but that's not really my company. My company is my name because I'm a professional. And my my license is under Victoria McDonald. And and how can they reach you? Um, they can reach me either by email or by my cell phone is the best since I'm mobile. So my cell phone is 714-785-4024. And my email is my name, Victoria, and then it's short for paralegal. It's Victoria, P-R-L-G-L, at AOL.com. Good. That's great. Well, would you believe it? We're we're almost at the end of the show. I told you it goes pretty fast. One last thing. What would you, if you were leaving... One last message for everybody. What would it be? Um, I would just say that you need to interview somebody that you would trust to do your living trust. And definitely don't wait because everybody always thinks nothing is going to happen. And God forbid nothing will happen soon. But it's just a preliminary device um, to pre-plan so that you can have peace of mind and take care of your heirs without having them have additional stress at a time when, you know, they don't need it. So it would be really good to get it done in advance. So uh, we've been listening to Victoria McDonald, who is a legal paralegal, and her number again is 714-785-4024. And her email is Victoria, and then it's P-R-L-G-L at AOL.com. Well, Victoria, I want to thank you so much for being part of our show today. And I know what great work you do because you did my father's trust, and I've seen other, other people that have had their trust, how you take care of your customers, which in today's world is not happening all the time. So it's really great to meet somebody who goes that extra mile. And uh, I know you. that everybody you deal with, that's why you get so many referrals, is because you do such a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I really try. <laughs> you do. Okay. I'll okay. talk to you again soon. Okay. And again, thank, thank you, you for all this great information. I learned a lot today myself. Yes. And thank you to all your listeners for, for putting up with that boring information. <laughs> all right. Bye, Bye. now. Okay. Bye-bye.